Well, good morning, Eureka Bible Church. We are glad, I am glad to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here to bring you the word. Um, I just wanted to start, before I get started in my sermon this morning, by just sharing that uh, Alicia and I and the kids are just very thankful for um, just the celebration you did for us at the drive, drive-in service we had a week and a half ago, and then also just um, how much you've been a support to us as a family as we've gone through this journey of fostering and adopting of Michael, Mar- Marlena, and Macy. And so thank you very much um, from the depths of our heart um, for being such a strong support for us as a family uh, during this time. So we are, we are grateful be- for being Forever Franks now and uh, for what the journey ahead that we have and the adventure that we have ahead. So thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Every one of you that is watching today has had some play and played some part in our family and being a support for us during this time. So thank you very much for that. I also wanted to say that uh, we are looking forward to the sweet day that when we can uh, worship together. And our family has been praying for our church all the way through this pandemic time. And we continue to do so, and we look forward to when we can be in here together, and we can hug each other, and we can just be together as a family once again. So looking forward to that sweet day when we can be together. Um, Would you pray with me as we get ready to begin the sermon this morning? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house in different ways, um, in different places. But Lord, we are coming together and gathering together around your word this morning. Lord, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be able to have the technology that we have that we can be able to, to worship together in this way. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together. And Lord, I just pray that you will allow us to set aside any distractions we might have this morning, any uh, struggles or pain or suffering that we're dealing with, and, and try to set some of those things aside today in order to really dig into your word. Lord, and as we think about the ideas of, of how we plan our lives and how the integrity that we have is supported and foundational through your sovereignty. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will help us this morning to really dig in deep into your word from 2 Corinthians, and, Lord, that we will honor you in the way that we study your word. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen. I have to be honest with you this morning. One of the things that I have struggled with the most during this pandemic time has been the fact that I, many of you know that I'm a planner. Um, I don't like unknowns. I like knowing where I'm going as I'm preparing teaching, as I'm preparing for our youth events, as I'm preparing for our community groups with doing things at church. Like, I really love to be able to, even outside of ministry within my own family and life, to know where we're going on vacation, what are we doing. I'm just a planner. and that has all kind of gone by the wayside during the last few months, and it's been a struggle for me at times, and it's not been easy, uh, but I, to be honest with you, uh, the Lord has taught me a lot through this time. And through self-reflection, I've really come to a realization that I, I need to be better um, in the way that I trust and rely on the Lord. And the other thing, I've, as I've reflected on this time, is, is some of the, the sins, the things I struggle with in my own heart and my own life have come to the surface during this time and, and probably more, been more pronounced at times just because of the difference of schedule and routine and living life and being at home all the time and doing things a lot differently than usual. And so the Lord has really taught me to trust and rely on him for his grace through all of this, and I hope it's been the same for you. And as we really dig our teeth into the book of 2 Corinthians this morning, I hope that we will be able to 
uh, recognize that the Lord is sovereign, and even in the, the season of life, this, the time period that we're living in now, God is sovereign, and he is in control, and he is wanting us to be able to continue to grow in our trust and reliance on him, and also in holiness. And as we really get into 2 Corinthians today and look at one of the major themes of this book, which is honestly Paul's complicated relationship with the church in Corinth, and how over and over again you're going to see these shifting changes of focus and tone and discussions because there's so much going on in the church at Corinth. And so this morning we will really dig into that. Um, And Pastor Aaron did a wonderful job last week um, kind of introducing the book and helping us see that there actually were several letters that were being sent, at at least the more than two of the inspired Word of God that we have. Um, And we also saw last week how that Uh, God's comfort is the foundation for our faith, and so when we are struggling, like many of us may be right now, and what I've shared, even what I've been dealing with, is that his, our our comfort for our life, our reliance on him allows us to be rooted in God himself by his comfort and his his trust and, and our trust and reliance in him. And so, Today we're going to kind of start to get introduced to some of what I would call Paul's haters, or if we were being more, uh, using more normal language, we would think of the idea of, of, of the people that were enemies or people that were detractors of Paul. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And, and many of them were power hungry, and they, were co- they had come from the east to the church in order to, to cause dissension and problems and issues. And so this book has a lot of those, and a lot of those things we're going to see even this morning. And I, I, I've uh, visualized and seen this my entire life. I've been in ministry my entire life, not serving in ministry per se, but my dad has, was in ministry f- from basically the day I was born all the way through. And so I was able to see a lot of dissension, a lot of issues, and I've seen what it can do to churches. I've seen what it can do to individual Christians and families. And so today we, I want us to be able to see how we can learn from Paul's pastoral way of handling this, how we can handle conflict in our, in our lives, in our church, and especially how we can make, uh, allow us to have integrity that lasts. That's what we're talking about this morning is integrity that lasts. And so I want to begin this morning, we're going to, if you would open up your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. We'll end at the first part of chapter 2, but we're going to start in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians this morning, starting in verse 12. Uh, but before I read the passage of Scripture, I wanted to share about two of my favorite Old Testament Bible characters. Uh, at two different times, two different, totally different things happening with the people of Israel. We start with Joseph, early part of the history of Israel. Um, Joseph was the, the, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, and Joseph was... Um, special was a special child to Jacob it was obvious that he was the one that was favored by Jacob and the family and that led to jealousy by his brothers right we all know the story with the the technicolored jacket that he had and um, that led to the brothers throwing him in the pit and then eventually instead of killing him sending him off into slavery while he was there he got put up in in Egypt and he was in the Potiphar's home and the Potiphar's wife if you remember tempted him and he ran away, and she got a piece of his cloak, and then he was thrown into jail again. And then we saw uh, at the end of the story when he is elevated again um, through different circumstances that his brothers come back during a famine. And during that famine, when he comes back, Joseph 
instead of doing what most people would probably do in that type of situation and find revenge, in this conflict, he understood and he rooted his integrity and his life in the sovereignty of God by saying in Genesis 50, 20, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Story of Joseph, a very powerful reminder of how we handle conflict and how integrity is something that can last rooted in the sovereignty of God. We also see in another story a lot longer in his, down in Israel's history as they are in captivity in Babylon, the story of Daniel, one of my favorite biblical characters. In the beginning of the story, you see that he, uh, with his integrity, refuses to eat the food. We see that he is able to, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through, the, through God's giving him supernatural understanding, he's able to understand King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, which elevates him. Um, but we also see that he's also having to be forced to read the handwriting on the wall in chapter 5 of Daniel that um, is a very dangerous situation as he tells of the demise of the king. And then we see his airtight integrity in Daniel chapter 6 where they literally were so jealous of him but they could not find anything to get him for. And so what did they have to do? They had to make up a law saying that you could only worship certain gods or the one idol that they need to bow down to and he refuses to do that he continues to pray like he that's what he does that's that's who he is his integrity is is again rooted in God's sovereignty he's not worried about what's going to happen to him he understands that his life is centered on God's sovereignty and so this morning I want you to understand from these two men's life is a parallel to what we're about to see as Paul defends his integrity, his airtight integrity. Now, I want you to understand, as a caveat here, that Joseph and Daniel and Paul, they would all tell you they were not perfect. They made mistakes. They were, but they also had a, such a strong integrity that it led them to having other people having to do stuff to make stuff up in order for them to get in trouble. They, they had such airtight integrity. They had integrity that lasts because it was rooted in who God is. And that's what Paul's going to show us today, is that if we put our integrity and we follow Jesus fully, we will be able to resist Satan. We will be able to resist those that our enemies are our haters. But it will take vigilance, it will take accountability, and it will take really strong willingness to root our lives in who God is. And so if you would uh, read with me, we're going to start here this morning with first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we are going to read verses 12 through 14. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understood, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us, as we will boast of you. So we see here in this passage that Paul is not boasting in himself, and he often didn't do that, which was, is the way that we should live, right? We should not put our boasting in ourselves, and our abilities, and our things to do. It'd be really easy in this situation, right? He has people that are after him. He has people that are questioning his godliness. They're questioning his integrity. But instead of boasting in, well, look at all, I've, I've started these churches. I've led these people to Christ. I've done this. I've done that. 
Instead, he's boasting not in himself, but in God. He says, for our boast is in this, the testimony of our conscience. So his conscience, again, like Joseph, like Daniel, like Paul has said many times in other passages, his testimony is in his conscience, which is rooted in the sovereignty of God and who God is. So that he talks about that we behaved in this world with simplicity, which some manuscripts say holiness there, the world with holiness and godly sincerity, not by any kind of earthly wisdom, not anything based on himself, but by the grace of God and so supremely towards you. And so we see here that he is transparent and sincere with the Corinthian church. It really shows his testimony to be true. But you also see here that there's no secret agendas going on. He's not trying to hide anything. He's not trying to say, well, I'm only going to look at this one compartment of my life where I think things are going well. Again, he's putting his testimony and his conscience on who God is and what God has done in his life by his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's, despite what his critics are trying to say, how they're trying to pull him down, his message has always been truth and consistent, not hiding anything. The challenge to us as Christians this morning from this passage is to be reminded that it's very easy for us to be worldly in the way that we are about how we confess to God, how we share our thoughts and our uh, who we are and, and how we are acting, the things that we're struggling with, that we just kind of withhold those things. And it's not noticeable when we do that. But it's, it can be a lot more noticeable when we're not doing that around as a church, that we're not transparent, that we're not confessing to one another, that we're not being held accountable, we're not willing to admit when we're wrong, not admitting that we need help, that we're struggling. So transparency and openness is something that's a huge problem in the church, but we need to be better than that. At Eureka Bible Church, we need to be open and honest and sharing. One of the things that has been so great for us during this time, pandemic time, has is, is been the opportunity to self-reflect and lament as we study with the Lamentation series. Uh, and so this is, this is an opportunity as we come back from this pandemic time to be more open, more transparent as Paul is here. And we also see in these first few verses that just as it says there, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus you will boast of us as we will also boast of you. That we see here that he, in verse 13 even he was talking about how the understanding. And it's partially because the people were just struggling in, in Corinth to understand what is Paul doing? Why are these things happening? There, this doesn't make sense. But as the Corinthians continue to understand Paul's teaching more, understand how he has his life rooted in God's sovereignty, they would be able to boast in God too, just like Paul does. And that was what his hope was. And the time of the coming judgment, that there would be coming time of coming judgment, that they would have their lives rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's that understanding of Paul's teaching that the church of Corinth needed to have. Um, which wasn't about himself, it wasn't boasting in himself again, it's boasting in who God is. So I ask you this morning, what are you boasting about in your life? If somebody, if there are people in the church, if there's people in your life, at your workplace, uh, even family members, those that, that would be um, detractors, that they would, they would be trying to pull you down, what would you stake your life in? For the younger people that are listening this morning, are you, would you stake your life in your musical or academic or athletic abilities or even your service at church or your attendance at youth group, which is on Zoom right now, but in general, maybe for us as adults, it's our jobs that we have, our nice house, nice car, our job skills, maybe even again is our church service, our church attendance. What are, 
What is it that you are staking your heart and your life in? Because I hope during this pandemic time that you've been, had some time to self-reflect about your priorities. Because we are called in humility to set aside the things of this world. We are not to boast in the things that are temporal, that are here on this earth. There's nothing here that we can stake our lives on. Even this pandemic time, I think, has showed us a little bit that even our schedules, our routines, anything in our life, we can't really stake those things as being something that is the most important to us in our lives. Paul even writes in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All of our life should be staked on Christ. His, he's what we boast about. That's what he, Paul boasted about. That's what you know, Daniel and Joseph would have been looking forward to in the Messiah, but they would, they would boast in God. So it's important for us to know that all the rest of this temporal stuff in this world, we can't stake our lives on, but we can stake our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can boast about him. So when our enemies come, that we have that airtight integrity that lasts because we're staking our integrity in the right thing, who is God himself. Part of this humility and boasting in Jesus and that shows our maturity in our faith comes through openness and transparency that I was talking about a few moments ago. We often, with God even, and it, sh it really reveals itself in the way that we are open and transparent with each other as believers, is that often we keep stuff from God. We don't feel comfortable because we, know we, we feel shameful like Adam and Eve in the garden, that we, we're struggling with sin, we're struggling with anxiety and worrisomeness, and we really don't want to share it with God because we're afraid of how he's going to view us. But I want you to be reminded today that we need to come to the cross. Joni Erickson Tata, who understands suffering and pain more than any of us probably do, says this, gut-wrenching questions honor God. Despair directed at God as a way of encountering him, opening up ourselves to the one and only someone who can actually do something about our plight. We have to be willing to come to the cross and bring our sins, our struggles, our anxiety, our worrisomeness, and bring it and place it at the feet of Jesus. We also obviously struggle with openness and transparency to one another. We need to, as Christians, be willing to uh, not just keep the peace for the sake of comfort and avoiding struggle. We need to confess sin to one another we need to accept people's confession with merciful grace. We need to give brothers and sisters in Christ permission to enter the depths of our heart. We need to allow people to speak into our hearts and help change and transform us and make us more holy. The Holy Spirit works inside of us, but he also works through people that have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to allow us to grow in holiness and in our faith. And the motivation of our transparency matters too. Read the, listen to this quote from David Kinnaman. The motivation of transparency is important. The culture teaches people to be candid and blunt, but this usually revolves around self-centeredness. You have a right to express your true feelings and your rage. This is, this is entitlement. Instead, the Christian way to approach transparency is to realize our candidness should be motivated by a desire to have a pure heart before God and others. That is, our, that is our 
motivation to why we are transparent and open. It's not to be who has the worst sin and who has the best testimony and the, we can have that very much me, 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 I, I, I self-centeredness about our repentance and our confession, but David Kinnaman calls us to something deeper. I wanted to share that when I was in uh, high school, we took a family trip. Um, we went to all across the East, really. We were living in Colorado at the time, so we started from there, and my dad took like five, four or five weeks off from pastoring of the church in Colorado he was serving at, and we drove all across the country. We went to baseball games, historical sites, battlefields, um, ate such great food along the way. We started, we went all the way up to Massachusetts, all the way down and finishing the trip in Florida at Disney World, and so we had a really special, very many, lots of memories I still have from that trip. But one of the things that happened on that trip is it's so long, and you're going to so many different places and trying to fit so many things in that often plans change. They have to change. Um, because you don't have enough time in the day off sometimes to get places. You have road construction you hit or storms or bathroom breaks and other things that cause you not be able to go to all the places you want. And I, I would say that we don't have to dip, dig very deep in our own lives right now to understand the idea of change, right? We've had a lot of it lately. We've had to just been be patient, graceful, and, and, just, and just wait on a lot of things because a lot of things have changed. And Paul's plans had to change, uh, during this time. His enemies were balking at him for doing so, but God's will prevails always. And that's the point that Paul makes this morning, is that God's will is what matters the most, not what people view his integrity by his changing of plans. So if you would uh, follow along and get in the passage of Scripture, we're going to move down to verse 15. So Second Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way back to Judea. Was, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we are uh, utter with our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So we see here in this passage that Paul begins to really strongly defend against his enemies and his detractors here. Um, but again, he's rooting it uh, not in himself and boasting in himself. He's defending his decision to wait to visit them by saying that he desired to be like Christ and he desired to benefit them the most and come at the right time where he feel God's sovereignty and his will is playing a part in what is happening here. It says there that he, he talks about in the chap, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, about the second experience of grace. A lot of um, people wonder kind of what that, what that meant, and there's different interpretations. Some interpreters think a smaller group of them would say that it's maybe talking financially about grace through giving, 
Uh, most interpreters would say that this would be, when Paul came, it would be like more blessings that it would come with him visiting because of his knowledge, because of his, his pastoral wisdom. So he would, he would be bringing that second experience of grace. So Paul's detractors here charged him with being indecisive and lacking a true plan. And I, I think that often we have people in our lives that... Um, can be kind of negative towards us in different ways for different reasons. And so we understand uh, probably all in our lives a little bit of what it's like to have people that are after us um, and many times in unfair ways. Paul defends by saying his change of plan was accordance with God's will. Um, what you need to know is the history, the background of what's happening here, and I want to share that with you just briefly, is that Paul... Um, had, he kind of came in a hurry to visit the church in Corinth because he had sent Timothy ahead of him. He couldn't go there yet. He didn't think he could go there yet. He was visiting other churches and plants and other things in other parts of the world, and so he wasn't able to come. But Timothy's report was so dire. There were so many problems in the church in Corinth that he had to come. So he left as quickly as he could, and he went there. And when he got there, his enemies had come from the east, and there was a big group of them, and they were causing so much trouble for him making him very um, upset and, and just struggling. It was, it was just difficult for him. And so to not have the conflict at that moment, he decided to avoid that. He decided he would leave. And so instead of having retaliation-type mentality, instead of having all-out war with these troublemakers at this moment, he decided to wait and not, and he decided to leave and wait to come back for a while and instead write a letter that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And this is a reminder to us that when we're dealing with conflict, it's very easy for us, even as Christians, the first thing to do is to fight back, right? To retaliate. Um, I'll just be honest that social media is where I see it a lot these days, where people will retaliate with a, this article and that article, or this statement and this statement, this quote and this quote. And we have to be really careful as Christians to not make retaliation the main focus of our conflict resolution. Is that we need to sometimes need to be quiet, Sometimes we need to go away for a while and sit and ponder and pray and think about it. It's not the best thing always to just really re to go after people and retaliate. The best thing to do is to come with a graceful, forgiving spirit that leads us to conflict resolution. And so I just want to offer you the challenge this morning to really think about how you treat others and how you respond to those that are causing you trouble. So it says here that as surely as God is faithful in verse 18, our word to you has not been yes and no, because that's what he's saying. He's questioning, was I saying one thing out of one side of my mouth and another because I didn't come? Because he says, I was being faithful. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom he proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but it was always yes, because of this. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And so he's really, again, anchoring Everything, all the promises of God from the Old Testament, all the promises of God that are being given to him, all the things that we understand are happening because of God's will and because of his sovereignty. And so he's rooting and anchoring his defense, not in himself, not boasting about what he's done, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see here how the Trinity is working through those whole thing. It's one of my favorite passages that people don't kind of overlook where we see that the Trinity is kind of working together in harmony. It says in verse 21, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. So God is the establisher. 
Jesus is the anointer. It says, God who establishes us with you, with you in Christ and has anointed us, has given us that anointing. God gives his people a sign of favor and authority by the anointing us for his worth. Not for our own gain, not for our own glory, for his worth. And so we see here that, he, that God the Father establishes us, Jesus anoints us, and the Holy Spirit seals us. This is looking to another passage in Ephesians chapter 1, in the passage about the, the grand picture of salvation that we see there, that at the end of that is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our salvation, that we cannot be taken away from the love of Christ if we have a true relationship with him. The Spirit's eternal seal. So that God, God the Father establishes, Jesus anoints and for his worth, and the Spirit's eternal seal for our salvation, the guarantee of our salvation. And so we see the work of the Trinity. And so Paul, again, is anchoring his defense of who he is in the sovereignty of God who establishes Jesus Christ's salvation and his anointing and the Spirit's eternal seal of guarantee of salvation. So that is where it's anchoring. And so that shows us how truthful he is and how much he is about God's glory and about not about our, our glory or his glory. So I ask you this morning, how can we handle people that desire to bring us down or criticize us in, in unfair manners? First off, we need to check ourselves. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and in humility try to recognize where we may be wrong. Did we say something wrong? Did we do something wrong? Have we hurt, offended somebody? Do we need to ask for forgiveness in a certain part of the situation? Have we retaliated in the situation where we should have been quiet and listened? So we need to check ourselves in humility. And I think Paul would agree with that very wholeheartedly is that we don't just jump into the fray and he, he didn't do that. Paul reminds us here also that the defense should be grounded in truth and integrity and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That this isn't about us. It's not about us winning. That's what we always try to do. We're always trying to win arguments and win battles and, and try to say, that, you know, this study says this and this article says this and this person says this, so that means that I'm right and you are wrong. So that's not what we're looking to do. We're trying to ground our defense in truth and integrity in the work of the Holy Spirit. The, the focus isn't on attacking back but helping other people see Jesus. Another thing I want to discuss from this part is that We've heard this word throughout this pandemic, fluid or fluidity, and that how often things are changing and rules are changing and how, how now we're kind of moving towards the end of this, towards things getting back to normal again. And so my question to you is how have you been handling this change, this fluidity that's been going on? Because to be honest, there's been a lot of times where I have not handled this correctly. I've been frustrated, I've been angry, I've been bitter. I wish that things were, we didn't have to miss so many things in our ministry with the church and, and for our students and, and things and with our family. So it's okay to be honest that this is normal, this is not normal, and it's not the best for us. We should be together. We should not have to have all this stuff shut down. It should be a lot easier for us. But what I've also seen during this self-reflection this time is I've been able to come to a better understanding of, of God's will in my life and how he wants me to grow in my trust and reliance on him. I've had to really heap all of myself, all of my life onto trusting and relying on him and his will through all this situation. And Paul reminds us in this, this morning that we are to trust in God's will and anchor ourselves in his sovereignty and what he is doing in our lives. Even if we don't like it or it doesn't seem right, it's still God's will for our lives, and we need to work through it.
And so we move to the ending of t- this morning's passage. We're going we're gonna to be looking at verses 23 of chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 4. But before we get to that passage, I'd ask for you to just spend a, a two or three minutes here discussing this question. It's been very negative as we've discussed the pandemic most of the time in our lives, right? We, we've talked about how much it's affected us and changed us. And, and, and so what I would like to do is, is for you to discuss as a family or as individuals, those who you are with this morning, what are good things that have happened during this pandemic, pandemic time for you and your family? What are some things that you can hold on to that have been good for you and your family in this pandemic time? So go ahead and discuss that for two or three minutes, and then we'll come back. I hope you were able to come up with some, some things, maybe some change routines, some new things you started as a family or together or individuals as leaders. I hope that you've been able to come up with some good things that have come from this pandemic time. And I, I think Paul would have wanted us, too, to understand that when we go through difficulty and conflict and struggles, that he would desire for us to, to root ourselves in that higher source. So let's look at this, the, the passage here. Um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 23. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you, for if I caused you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I come, when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. So again, Paul appeals this morning to the highest source in God's witness to tell the truth and appeal to the Corinthians for the reason why he delayed in visiting. He desires to allow more time for the Corinthian church to get things straightened out, to repent of their sins, to realize the wrongdoings that they had done and the way that they had handled and dealt with Paul in the previous visit. And so he is just really clear that he wants to root everything in the highest source of God as his his witness, that what he is doing is correct, that he is doing this because of God's will in his life and their lives. And so the question is, is, um, as we think through this, is, why would Paul desire with such anguish and tears in his heart and, and, and such pain that he would decide to not come? And it was because he desired to be godly and pastoral in his um, re- resolving of conflict. I think of, of Ken Sandy who wrote the book Peacemaker, which is a very famous Christian book on the idea of conflict resolution. But in another book he wrote called Resolving Everyday Conflict, he says this, What are you really living for? It's crucial to realize that you either glorify God or you glorify something or someone else. You're always making something look big. If you don't glorify God when you're involved in conflict, you inevitably show that someone or something else rules your heart. So we see this morning that it is so clear, so clear to me, that we need to glorify God in the way we live our lives daily. Because when these times of conflict that Paul had come, if we are not rooted in the sovereignty and will of God, it is going to lead us astray. We are going to want to retaliate. We're going to not 
we're going to overlook our own sins and our own causes of the conflict that we are in. And so we need to root ourselves deeply, anchor ourselves deeply in who God is and his will and sovereignty for our life, his glory being the center of all that we do. As mentioned before, Paul's first visit was rough and painful. He desired to allow some time to pass before coming again. So the question do I have to you this morning is when, we, when we're dealing with conflict, as we come back from this pandemic, if we have, you know, as we always will, we're sinners, we're going to struggle with each other, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to treat each other poorly. So do we, are we going to allow for what I call space and grace in our disagreements among believers? We need to allow some, sometimes time space, we sometimes need physical space away from people, we, we need to allow for space as we are dealing with conflict, that we don't immediately just go towards anger and retaliation and fighting. And also showing grace to one another, that our, our first goal as believers, even if we're dealing with non-believers, our first goal is always to show grace, because that's what Jesus has done for us. If we treat others as if we think that, that they owe us or that they are always the one in the wrong, that if, we, if we're not willing to come with a heart of grace, we don't understand what Jesus has done for us. And so space and grace. Paul also wrote a necessary but difficult letter, as he, as he writes about here. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish and with tears, not so to cause you pain, but for the reason of knowing that the abundant love that he has for him. So he, instead of fighting him there and staying there, he left, wrote a letter of love and, and firm truth to them. And so not only do we need to give space and grace in disagreements, but we also need to not go err on the wrong side, on the, on the other side of it, right? Which, not the wrong side, but the, the, on the other side of this, by erring on the side of just trying to keep the peace and, and really not wanting to give firm truth. So are you willing this morning in your conflict resolution to give firm truth when it's needed? And he did that in this letter. He warned the church in Corinth that you need to repent of your sins the way you treated me was wrong. You were going against God's will. And so he was challenging them in that letter. And so it's, it's a, a poor reminder to us that we need to be willing to speak firm truth to those that are sinning, that have sinned against us, that are living in sin or doing things that are against God's will. And so in chapter, not to spoil it or anything, but in, a, in weeks to come, in chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, it talks about what, was the, what happened when he sent that letter, which there was a lot of repentance, there was a lot of changes of heart, and things in the church of Corinth did stabilize some. And so that's good to know from the story. But it, it is some things that I really want us to take away from this part of the passage this morning is how much does prayer play in, in both the big and small planning of your lives? Because this has been an opportunity during this pandemic time to really kind of focus in on that, right? That we can understand that prayer make, is a huge part because the Holy Spirit is who leads us. We aren't on our own. We're not trying to pull up our bootstraps and do everything in our own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to direct our steps more and more and be willing to follow even difficult and different paths than we would want. God's sovereignty and his will in our lives lead us to have open hands with our lives. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think and pray to the Lord that he would give you a heart that was willing to follow difficult and different paths and keeping your life and your things and the people in your life open, with open hands. 
And then how do you need to change your conflict resolution with non-believers and believers this morning? How, do, how, do you, how have you been dealing incorrectly with these things? How do you need to discern better how to handle them? How do you, how do you know the person that you're dealing with? Because a lot of it is discerning situations through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're rooting your life in the sovereignty and will of God, that you know that person you know when it's time for space and grace. You know when it's time to, to give that firm truth, that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. And so think about this morning, I challenge you to understand where, how you deal with conflict because Paul has given us a very pastoral understanding of how to handle this type of conflict. So my desire for each of you this morning is, is for you to be able to build and cultivate in your life integrity that lasts. When moments of struggle and temptation and, and comfort, even comfort and safety, when that come, some come, starts to come back a little bit, will we re- be ready to answer the call to lay it all on the line to follow Jesus? Even if it means sacrificing many th- things that we would want to have or places we want to go or th- things of our life that really drag us down. Our lives should show integrity that even our enemies know that we have action-based faith that is truthful. That, the, that our, our integrity should be so rooted in who God is like Paul that they should have to make up lies and make up things about us in order to get at us. And that will happen, by the way, because Satan is working overtime to take us down. Paul has shown us a great example this morning of pastoral love for, for a flock that he has chosen to step away for a while to allow for um, changes of heart and repentance and not just trying to fight hard and go after things immediately. And I just want to highlight that Pastor Aaron has been really pastoral. He, he's just done such a great job shepherding our flock during this time. Some of it you have seen, some of it you haven't seen behind the scenes. This has been a hard time for pastors to lead, and, and Aaron has done a wonderful job caring for our flock, and I, I think he has been an example of Paul in the way that he has led us. It's not necessarily through conflict, but it's through difficulty, and he has done a wonderful job um, leading us in this church and keeping us connected. So our, our relationships are vital in this church, so let us make a strong dedication this morning to come back from this pandemic time more unified and willing to show grace when needed and lovingly firm truth when needed. And when we come back to meet regularly, that we will be changed people, that we will have our lives rooted more in trust and reliance in Jesus Christ and being established by God and, and understanding that internal seal, that guarantee that we have through the Holy Spirit. That we will not stay our, keep our lives in the same way that we lived it before. That we will have integrity that lasts. That we will have our hands open with our lives. That our, we will anchor everything in the will of God that will lead us to deeper relations with God, deeper relations with others, and a life that is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I challenge you in, uh, to do that this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come together uh, in our homes and worship you. And I thank you for your word and what you've taught us. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with us. I pray that you will allow us to have, um, through your Holy Spirit, that we will have integrity that lasts. And Lord, that we will plan our lives and surround and anchor our lives and root them in you and the things that you have done for us. Lord, we pray all these things in your great and gracious name.
Amen.